Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. You know the rules of the game. Yeah. You know the rules of the game. I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I won't talk to you. You, you shouldn't even be at this table. Hey. I got money on my mind. Yeah. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in a game's life out here in Texas, or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bella, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Check it out with my co-host, fellas. How y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Feeling good, feeling great, man. This is the day after Christmas. We rocking and rolling, ain't nothing stopping the show, bro. Feeling great, man. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here, checking in, checking in. How y'all boys feeling? Man, it's good, man. Nigga done got over COVID. Yeah. Got, you know, Christmas just passed. We living a good life. I can't complain. I'm I'm excited for this episode today, man. We've been out here chopping it up with our brother for a good 30 beforehand. And uh, man, this is about to be another pressure episode for sure. Yes, indeed. But but look, before I introduce our brother. I gotta ask y'all to make sure y'all like, subscribe, rate, comment. If you a new listener, if this is your first time, give us some feedback. Let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you didn't like the show, let us know. We want to make sure we're giving y'all the best content possible and giving y'all some education, some that y'all can really leave with some true value and some actionable steps. So with it out the way, y'all like, comment, subscribe, and I'm gonna introduce our guest for the day. So, man, we got another fire guest for y'all. This one going to be heavy, heavy on the sales and marketing, y'all. Like, my brother got game for days. He is the owner of U.S. Nationwide Notary Service. He is a best-selling author and just all-around serial entrepreneur killing the game. My brother, Tiger Toledo. Tiger, how you doing? Bop, bop, bop. What up? <laughs> I love it. Good. What's good? What's happening, fellas, man? Thank you for having me on. I'm very humbled. I'm very pleased and grateful for you guys having me on this show, man. I've been a, a longtime fan of the show, so I'm super honored to be here. Hey, man, we just want to say thank you for coming on. 
Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you rocking with us. Yes, sir. Show and coming on to bless us and give us some game, man. Man, we we about to get Liddy in here, man. man let, let's go, man. Let's go. Okay. Let's so let, let's jump right on into it. For those who don't know, like, can you explain who who are you like and how did you get to where you are right now with your notary business touching six figures? So born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. That's where I'm from. Former stick-up kid. I was robbing niggas in the street and all that shit. You know what I mean? And uh a lot, of, a lot of the fellas around me, you know, when you grow up in the hood, in a city, you can't help but take part of that, that energy, right? It's not that I wanted to do all that stuff, but it's like if I didn't move the way my crew was moving, I either looked like a flake, I looked like food, right? So I had to move like them in order to be a part of that whole, that group thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Didn't want to be a part of that. I'm a love child. Let me set that straight. My my father was already married. My mom must have been the jump off joint. You know what I mean? And then, boom, I'm here. And I'm happy for it. You know, but that's a crazy dynamic when, you know, your father's with somebody else and he'll just come every weekend, watch some WWF wrestling with me and then he's gone. He'll give you like 20 bucks and then he's gone. So that was my life with my father. I didn't really have much of a relationship with him, but I was just happy to know him. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of cats in the hood that didn't even know their pops or their pops got murdered or something like that. So growing up in in Brooklyn in the 80s and 90s, it was the crack epidemic, a lot of drugs. I've seen crack just destroy families like really good families man just rip it apart people get stabbed shot you know and just the life of an inner city child i knew a long time ago i didn't want that life Mm -hmm. so when my mom passed away when she was like 17 i wound up living in chicago with my uncle who i barely knew i either could stay there in new york and rack up on a a rap sheet, right? A criminal rap sheet. Or I can move to a state where nobody knows me, nobody knows anything about me and create a new life for myself. So I went over there, learned some things, worked at Chuck E. Cheese for my first job. It was there that I got introduced to, like your shirt say, cash flow, right? They would have these like little Chuck E. Cheese cups and these Chuck E. Cheese cups, like they would like push us to say, hey, look, we need you to sell a bunch of these cups and shit. And I'm like, all right, if you do that, we'll give you a free pizza. I'm like, shit, free pizza. All right, cool. Let me get into that. But it was showing me how sales runs the world, right? They would want you to sell extra cheese on the pizza. I'm like, you know, but I didn't, I wasn't formally introduced to sales. Mm-hmm. One day this girl comes in probably like my age, she was like maybe like 21, 22. She had a Mustang. She was doing all this shit. And I was like, damn, what do you do? Right? She was like, I'm in sales. I was like, fuck, I want to be 21 years old driving a Daytona Mustang or whatever, having my own crib. And I was like, could you get me a job of where you're at? She was working at Valley Total Fitness at the time. So I wound up getting a receptionist job because I had no sales experience. I learned the ins and outs of the place. I wind up getting into the sales position. 
From that point, everything changed. One thing I want your listeners to understand is that nothing in business, like if your business don't have sales or marketing, you have no business. You just have a hobby. Talk to them. <laughs> yeah, you have a hobby. You just like doing this shit. You ain't making no money. You can't have customer service without customers. And you can't have customers without sales. So you have there has to be a transaction that happens on there. So that that is where I hone my skill and because I know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur in my life. So that's basically it, man. Like sales and marketing, that is my thing. And I just take that and I transfer it to any business that I touch. And then it really works in every business. Once you understand the fundamentals, that's not a business you can't touch and make money. Thanks. So, Tiger, you went into Bali and that's where you started kind of your, your background with sales. When did you like branch out into your first entrepreneurial venture? Well, here's the thing, right? I've been trying to be an entrepreneur ever since this Italian dude fired my mom when I was like 15 years old. My mom was a home attendant. Like I'm first generation in America. So like, you know, English is not my first language. It's my second language. My mom was a home attendant taking care of old people in New York. And one day, you know, she was battling diabetes. It was kind of hard for her to walk and shit like that. So one day they called her into the office. I went with her. And then the guy was like, excuse me if I get choked up because it, it always fucks with me every time I tell the story. So the guy asked my mom, me and my mom to sit down in the office. And he said, hey, we do understand that, you know, you've been with us for like seven years, but it looks like it's been kind of hard for you to get to the appointments the way you need to. So we have to let you go. Seven years she was with him. They didn't give her a severance pay. They didn't give her a second chance. They made up their decision. You're fired. Gone. My mom started crying in front of this guy. Now I'm 15 years old sitting on the side. I'm like, how the fuck my mom crying, right? So she's begging. I've never seen my mom beg anybody. She was. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba da ba ba ba. Begging this dude to keep the job. She was like, I have a son. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay for my rent? How am I going to feed my family? Like, for an immigrant that doesn't know the ways of the United States, she didn't know about, you know, all of these other different ways to get money or whatever. But it fucked me up because I never felt more helpless in my life. I couldn't help my mom, right? So the whole train ride, she she was crying. And I was like, man, I never want to be in that position. We wound up going on welfare. Food stamps were our best friends. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we get, and we had the paper food stamps, man. So when we had the paper food stamps, my mom would take me to the store and then she would be like, buy whatever you want. That was the only time I felt rich. She was like, buy whatever you want. And then, you know, she would pay with the food stamps. It got, it was a little bit embarrassing, but at the end of the day, it was like, man, I get to eat whatever I want, have whatever I want. So from the age of 15, I've been trying to be an entrepreneur all my life. I had a shrimp importing business. That shit failed. Record label, you know, publishing company, you name it. I tried as many businesses to get out of the corporate plantation as possible. It wasn't until... I touched the notary business. 
Andre Hatchet, your man's, mm-hmm. and my man's brother Dre. You know what I mean? Shout out to brother Dre on that. He was putting out the course, man, and he was so genuine. Like I felt him. You know, I think to be honest, if he was a European, I probably wouldn't gravitate towards it as much. But because he was a brother, and he was like, well, you know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. vibe was different, his delivery was different, his authenticity was different. I was like. I got to rock with this dude. So I started learning the notary business. I put my sales and marketing skills to it and I was out of here. Mm-hmm. I was gone. It was, it was a wrap. And you said some very important things in there. I think one of the first things was just the story that kind of changed you. Because I think just being an entrepreneur, there's always something in your life that kind of shifts you and kind of make you feel like there's something more than just working for someone my full life. And uh, I think a lot of people, they hit that point. But, you know, and you try different things, and a lot of times they'll just try that one thing. And then once it doesn't work, they'll go back to what they're used to because they're like, yeah, it didn't work. I guess this isn't for me. But, you know, you try over and over with different things. And you were even uh, working a nine-to-five, you was working in corporate. Like you said, you was working at Valley Toyota Fitness and stuff like that. And I think it's smart how you also you took those skills that you learned while you were in corporate and you transformed them over to that notary business. And y'all were able to use that. You were able to use that and you were able to actually start using those skills that you developed in the nine to five world and transfer that over to your own business and actually make it thrive. And I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about. Whenever you said, if you learn the basics of sales, you know, you can really, you can take off with whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And can you kind of go to what is the basics of sales for those who aren't familiar with sales and marketing? Yeah. So with sales is this, right? Sales is bringing value and addressing a person's problems and finding the best solution for them. Like back in the days when you was like, when they sold cars and shit, it was a crooked dude. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, one thing that that crooked used car salesman did, he listened. He listened to see what what, what was your problem? Man, I need Mm -hmm. to get to work and I don't have reliable transportation. He listened. Now, if he put you in a lemon, that's another thing, right? But he listened to the customer and he steered them with the best product that he possibly can and still make a profit for it. So the whole thing is with sales is bring value, make a profit, give value, make a profit, give value, make a profit. That's all you're doing. You're consulting and you're listening to this person and say, let's just say BWR, right? We'll just use that for an example. I'm a business consultant that takes podcasts internationally. And you guys talk to me and say, hey, look, we want to penetrate the Asian market. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions because I want to be able to bring value to you. If I can't bring value to you, a real salesperson will say, I can't help you. Maybe you might look, need to look somewhere else, or maybe I can refer you to somebody. That's a true salesperson. Mm-hmm. Anybody else is a con artist. Mm-hmm. 
So you want to listen to your clients. Once you listen to their clients and you understand their concerns, then you see in your arsenal of products and services, can you help that person get to that next level? So that's what it is. It's about bringing value and helping out your customer and then in exchange, make a transaction and you make a profit. Mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll let you go. I like how you said bring value to your customer because mm-hmm. that's I think that's huge. A lot of people just are real salesy. Mm-hmm. They just give you, try to sell you on the product, not telling you exactly what value mm-hmm. the customer is actually getting. And I wanted to ask, how do you know where to give value for your product or a product? Yeah, so you have to you have to survey your stuff, man. The world will tell you if your shit sucks. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I put out this lotion right here, right? And I tell people, hey, this is shade, daily moisture, blah, 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 48 hours. And then a couple of people are going to buy it. Now, somebody say, man, your lotion is runny as hell. It doesn't last long, about two hours. Then you're like, okay, my product sucks. (laughs) And it's your job to make the product better. Otherwise, you're just selling people some some watered-down lotion. So the people tell you if you have a good business, not you. Like the best sales and marketing people do not listen to the voice in their own head. They listen to the audience. They listen to the world. So you have to survey the world. That's why you see these big companies like Sam's Club, Walmart. They're always asking you to take a fucking survey. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell tell us how was our service? How was our burger? Did you like this? Did, hey, we'll give you something free. Tell us, tell us, so we can make a better product to serve you better, so you can enjoy it. And I kind of want to talk to that because a lot of people they kind of get afraid of that feedback, and they don't understand that that feedback is just helping them create a better product. A lot of times they might take and might hear someone say, you know oh man, your service, it wasn't the best. Like you kind of was slow or I didn't like the way that your person helped me or you wrote a book and man, the book was kind of dry. A lot of people will take it too personal and they don't understand that this is just constructive feedback and that should be the things that you're focusing on and tweaking and looking towards and you should get excited about bad things because whenever you get excited about those bad things, now you have something Oh, I can go work on this. I can go make this that much better. I know where I'm fucking up now. You don't have to guess and wonder, oh man, do I have a great product or not? No, you know, my product, like you said, my lotion is runny. So what do I need to do now? I need to make it a little bit more thicker. I need it to penetrate the skin a little bit better. So now I need to go back to the lab, get with my engineers, whoever you do to make the lotion. You got to get with those people. You got to figure out, you know, how can we fix that? Same thing with any product you have. If you got lashes you're selling, if you got wigs that you're selling, if you got watches, T-shirts, if someone say, man, your T-shirt shrank too fast, go get some shit that's pre-shrunk. Go look for different things, ways that you can up what you're working on. Absolutely. You're 100% right. And feedback is so valuable because it's like now you have data. Mm -hmm. Data is the new gold. In the 21st century, right? So it's like that person just taking the time out to give you feedback. That's a gem on its by itself, right? Mm-hmm. You should just give that person something, uh, hook them up with something just for them doing that. But here's the thing, though. As you start getting more and more feedback, you'd be like, who are the ones that are really leaving the feedback? Is it women or is it men? Mm-hmm. 
Is it African-American women? Is it European? Is it Latino women? What are their age groups? Mm. Now you get to know who your demographics is, and now you're shooting and you're hitting them square between the eyes. Mm. Right? So that type of that now, not only that, once you get past the whole demographics, now let's start looking into the psychographics, right? Mm. What's the income range of this person? Are they professionals? Are they white collar workers or are they blue collar workers? Like this is what sales and marketing people do that Mm -hmm. they don't see. That's why they sell so much shit. High performers sell a lot of stuff, man. They understand that no matter if the product is $5 or $5,000 or $50,000 or $5 million, it takes the same amount of effort. So you might as well shoot for the stars. Mm. It's going to take the same amount of effort, the same amount of energy you're putting in to sell a $5 product. You could do the same thing, same amount of energy and sell a $5,000 product. Exactly the same. It's all about knowing how to target your people. And I think you hit another very important point with the sales is that psychology, because a lot of people don't understand that a lot of sales is psychological. And I know Kelly was asking, you know, like, how do you know whenever you're going to hit a pain point? I was a car salesman. I studied one of the top car salesmen and everything he told me was it's all psychological. And whenever I was following him, I would listen to him talk to the people and these people, they were telling him physically one thing, but he was like, he would break down what he would do once they left. And he would be like, this person said, you know, I didn't like this color, whatever, whatever. And he was like, psychologically, she was telling me, Hey, I don't want to go with anything around the color blue or anything like that. I don't like it. Or even whenever they would probably say, okay, you know, I have kids and uh, we do a lot of things. Psychologically, that tells you they need a bigger car. Why would you try to sell them on the smaller car? That smaller car, they might be giving you kickbacks that month. But so why would you try to sell that, though, if they're telling you, hey, I need something larger. Mm -hmm. And I think people don't understand and don't listen to people on that psychological level like that. Mm -hmm. It's like my brother Tiger was saying, when it comes to, you said it earlier, the goal is to actually serve people. It's not to just make money. Like you don't want to be the the janky car salesman that sold the person a limit. You want to actually be looking to provide people with services they need. And Tiger, I kind of want to go into like, identifying those customers some more. Cause I know like one thing we do, like we've been working on this a lot lately, uh, identifying like your ideal customer persona, your ideal customer demographics or whatnot. Could you kind of get into how you find those? Yeah. So I have a saying that says magic happens when you narrow your focus. Hmm. Whenever you're looking to start a business, even if it's a fictitious person that doesn't exist because in reality that person doesn't exist yet mm-hmm. you're actually creating this person you're you're fabricating this person in your mind so that's why they're considered an avatar right mm-hmm. so you start off with this ideal person so like let's just say my notary business i want to target white collar professionals that make a income between this you know fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars they're either going to be lawyers the law firms, the stuff like that. Once you start doing that, you start to attract all of those personality points, though, where they hang out. You're almost like you're stalking them, right? But 
you're stalking them for research. So if I was going to attack the real estate market, they have a different type of verbiage. They speak real estate, right? They're not talking, I'm going to rent out this. They're talking about, you know, like, I need a tenant to put in here. Or they're saying, you know, land acquisition. Their whole vocabulary is different. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to talk these people vocabulary. Even law firms, they have a whole different vocabulary. You have to be able to talk their language. So when you're attacking and you're creating your ideal customer, you want to be able to say, do these people, first thing you should ask, do they have their own vocabulary for me to easily penetrate in that market? Mm-hmm. And if they do, start studying that vocabulary. You don't have to learn everything that, you know, all the jargon, but know some stuff that is going to showcase your business as being, hey, we understand your industry, mm-hmm. right? Two, you want to find out where they're hanging out. A lot of white collar professionals, they hang out over there in LinkedIn, right? So, because that's the business format. You want to start hanging out over there and start creating your marketing pieces and everything over there. You want to start, you know, sending them messages over there. Don't go where your customers are at. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't go to TikTok looking for the CEO of... Yeah, he ain't TikTok. buy or some shit. <laughs> right, he ain't TikToking, right? He's doing a TikTok on his employees. So you want to find out where these people are hanging out. Introduce yourself. The best way to break any ice is to ask a question. Just just start off with a question. Most of the best sales copy that you see around the world, they're asking a question. They're like, hey, are you having trouble with this? Maybe we can help you out. So. Hey, man, that's some vital tips. Y'all definitely, definitely try that. And I like how you say that with even with the sales copy. Have you dabbled in sales copy yourself or did you kind of get your copywriter to kind of help you out? Yeah, I have a mentor actually that's teaching me. And shout out to Maria Lloyd. You guys had her on the show. So shout, shout out. out to Maria. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> so I have a mentor. His name is Donnie Bryant. This guy has, I mean, like this dude emails just stupid. And I'm working under him to learn because that is a, Copywriting is a high income skill. Mm. That is closing on with words, mm. with text. Creating well words, oh. like girl You know what I mean? So like understand, like I'm always trying to one up my game. I've mastered the sales and marketing and closing part. Now I want to be able to close with emails and shit. And Sales copy is so, so powerful because when you think about it, commercials start off with sales copy. The direction you take your YouTube videos, your podcasts, everything. When you start putting those sales copy elements in there, it does the work for you. Mm-hmm. So it's so powerful to understand sales copy. So that is my new skill that I'm cultivating within my arsenal. But now I'm very novice at it. I love it, though. It's an integral part of any business, anybody building a business that's like really trying to increase conversions. That's I think that's one of the major ways you can really improve understanding the art of selling through words. Y'all go listen to episode 91 featuring Maria if y'all need help with that. My girl drops gems. Yeah, check that out. I definitely wanted to ask. So there's kind of like levels into sales as far as going into different marketing avenues. Like we were just talking about email. 
to me, that shouldn't be the number one go-to when you're just starting out just because you're trying to get a customer base. So where would you start out? And then how do you get to that email marketing? Okay. So now I would ask the question, like, what direction the person wants to take, right? And what kind of business that they're in. That would be that would be very important because like if you're an introvert, sales copy is for you. Like that's your thing. You should go into copywriting sales copy because you don't have to deal with people. Maybe you have a fear with talking with people on the phone or being face to face and shit like that. That is the perfect space for an introvert. Now, if you're an extrovert like myself, you'll go out there like Jalen. I actually started. I actually went into car sales just because I wanted to learn how to be able to ask people for a large amount of money. Mm. I had a fear because when I was selling memberships, I had a fear, like the most I ever asked for was like three to $5,000. Car sales, you go up anywhere from 30,000, 50,000, right? So I, I wanted to get comfortable with that. So I actually got a job selling cars just so I could overcome that fear. So we all have, you know, our little demons that we're fighting or whatever, but it all comes down to like what industry you have to understand your personality. One, are you an introvert or an extrovert? There's nothing wrong with either one of the two, but before you start attacking it, if you're an introvert, start learning sales copy. Trust me, it will save you from a lot of heartache, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, stressed out situations like, oh, my God, the phone is ringing. You know, now, if you're an extrovert, your ass need to get on the phone. You know what I mean? Like you literally need to get people on the phone, like start set up a calendar where people can book an appointment with a 15 minute call with your ass. Like you need to be in people's face. Hardcore. Talk to people. That email shit, that's a different beast. Extroverts need to get on the phone. That, to be honest with you, the phone is the number one way to make money, hands down. Look, the, you can try to ask for a $5,000 sale with an email. And sometimes you might get it, but let me tell you, once you get on the phone with a person and they hear you and they hear your personality, they hear your energy, they hear where you're coming from, you can ask for $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 and close that on the phone. You can close deals like they do it at Wall Street all the fucking time. They when something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Close deal on the phone. That's what a brokerage is. Mm. <laughs> Think about uh, pursuit of happiness. What was he doing? On them down cold calls. It was the phone call that led to him going to the football field, meeting that CEO, and then he didn't even get that deal. He wound up getting all the other people that just saw him with the CEO. But it all started with that phone call. Mm -hmm. That phone is a beast. And I'm going to let you guys know something. Real talk. 21st century, a lot of these millennials, Gen Xers, are staying away from the phone, folks. So whatever reason, I don't know why. They did a 
a statistic or they did a survey on it and they're running away from the phone. So that is a big mistake because the one that jumps on the phone first closes the deal first. I'm glad you're touching on this right now too because it kind of leads me into the start of your notary business in my head because that's a business right there. You need to be on the phone if you're closing these deals with people, correct? So can we go into your notary journey some, just like how did it start and like how you ended up scaling it to six figures? Yeah, so what I did, I didn't even get my commission yet, but I put some of the marketing tactics that I learned from Andre's course, the notary business school, and I put it in play and I started getting phone calls, right? So I'm like, I'm getting phone calls, but I can't stamp the pages because I didn't get my commission and my stamp yet. So I actually started off as an agency. So I wind up farming out the work to other notaries immediately before I got my stamp. And then when I got my stamp, like maybe three or four months later, then I started doing some of the deals myself. But when I saw that this business was scalable and it's so important that you get a coach that has skin in the game. Andre Hatcher had skin in the game. Like he wasn't one of the, as Robert Kiyosaki would call a false teacher or fake teacher. He did the damn thing. He's seen what it took to do it. So when I got his course and I was learning from a person that had skin in the game, he removed a lot of the roadblocks. Mm -hmm. So I immediately went into the agency side of it. Now, here's the thing as an entrepreneur or business owner, When something is working, keep doing that shit. The problem is a lot of entrepreneurs are so damn creative and we're so fucking ADHD that we're like, oh man, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And they get that shiny object syndrome shit, right? Because we know that we have the capabilities of doing anything and everything. Like there's no more limitations with us. But pick that one thing and then hone in on it. So what I wind up doing is once I saw the marketing channel was working, I just 10X'd it, right? I just increased it. I just did more and more of that marketing channel. And then more and more phone calls started coming in to the point where like I could not handle all of that work. So then I started looking for notaries and dispatching notaries all across the United States and come to find out the notary business is an international business. So it's a multi-billion dollar industry. But me looking at the business, like one of the biggest key things that I took from Andre Hatchett, he said that um, don't look at this business as a notary, look at it as a business owner, right? So when he said that to me, it resonated. It was like, okay, when I was looking at it as a notary, I was looking at how many deals can I do by myself? Mm -hmm. But when I looked at it as a business owner, it was like, how many deals can I bring into the company and distribute? nationwide and then the numbers just kept increasing even to this day like my numbers just keep beating last year's numbers last year number repeatedly so and i just kept pushing bro now i've branched it off to where i'll do some online courses i wrote a book on there it's a top five bestseller on amazon it's a it's a wide open industry that not a lot of us you know melanated people are like killing it Mm -hmm. so i'm just trying to dominate it and i kind of want to talk to like what was that marketing channel whenever you first started off 
Google. Google? What, so you were using pay-per-click ads? No, no. I do the free joint. I do the my business joint. So from then until now, has your marketing kind of changed? Have you kind of tweaked it? Nope. <laughs> he said nope. You see what I mean? Like when it works, you keep the formula the same. Now, do I test different texts with it? Yeah, I test a little bit, but I don't veer left wing or right wing to change too much. I'll do little tweaks and see if they perform better than the previous. And then they'll just evolve from better. But for the most part, it's the same formula. It's the same exact formula. So you're doing like the Google post where you just post on your Google? I don't even do that anymore. Oh, shit. Yeah, bro. It's like it's on autopilot at this point. That's hard. So I just I, it just does what it does. And the phone calls come in. Now, my job, my responsibility is making sure that I take and I address all the phone calls that are coming in. So I had to hire somebody else to help me with all of the influx of phone calls coming in so I can concentrate on different parts of the business. But now the, the phone calls is like it just comes through. And I have to capture that because at the end of the day, I don't want to be heavily dependent on Google. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll have my Aweber system capturing everybody's information. That way I can always remarket to them. You said Aweber? Yeah, I use Aweber. So Aweber is almost like a MailChimp or, you know, just capturing people's emails and stuff like that. So I use Aweber and they've been working out really, really well. I've been with it for like five, five years now. So your primary form of marketing with it is uh, the Google My Business setup, which Brother Dre walks y'all through in the course and teaches y'all how to set up. So how how much do you feel like your name plays a role into this with, with your business and the Google My Business? Because, I mean, you have a great name for a notary. So oh. you know, <laughs> but they don't know my name in the notary agency side of it. They know my name on a personal, like more of a personal brand. Mm-hmm. Right. So I separate the two. Like the Tiger Toledo don't exist at U.S. Notary Agency. Mm-hmm. My name is Mark, actually, on the notary agency side of it. <laughs> but my personal brand, Tiger Toledo, that will be more on the Notary Cashflow Academy or on my book and stuff like that. Because one thing I know is that I had to make my name memorable. My real name is Villard. Nobody remember that shit. My wife don't even remember that shit. So... I had to come up with a name that was more memorable and it just flowed. Mm. And then once I, once I started marketing that name, then it started clicking. But you know, again, man, it's all about, it's not going to happen overnight. You have to be willing to put in the work, but that's why I love time because time weeds out these whack ass people, right? Like it's about longevity. It's about who's willing to do the distance. Anybody could fucking hit it out the park one or two times. But do you have what it takes to last the distance? And then that's where you really, like, dominate the whole area. Mm. And with the name, I think he was talking about the U.S. agency name. Because that Uh-oh. name is fucking awesome. Like, uh, I, know the, I know the SEO on that hoe is crazy. Like, because I remember whenever we, I was going through the course with Brother Dre and you said your name, I was like, man, that's a great fucking name, man. Like, how did he get this? Yeah. So actually, I started off as Illinois Public Notary Service. Mm-hmm. 
But when I started farming out uh, different assignments to notaries all across the, you know, the nation, it didn't make any sense to still have Illinois. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I got to think of something more universal that encompasses the United States. And then it was U.S. notary. And then it was the agency. And, you know, it was a very slight variation from Illinois Public Notary Service. Mm. Yeah, that name... I mean, to do what it do, but it, it all comes back to the value, though. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not providing value to the people now, I got to say this, though. I have multiple listings on Google. Mm-hmm. U.S. notary agency is just one of them. But there's like I have like 50 to 75 of them joints. I just and they all by different names. <laughs> See, I was wondering that too. I didn't know if I could do like multiple listings. Oh, yeah, dude. Like I just started my second one too. So I'm about to, I'm about to do like you and 10 exit too. Bro, you that's what I'm saying. If that one is working for you, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you just keep duplicating that one. It's fractal. Mm. Just keep duplicating that one in different states. Hey, you know somebody in Atlanta? Have the person in Atlanta set up shop over there. All you need is to send them the address, right? So that's how I was able to swell the company and get it in Florida and Texas and New York and Jersey and all these other places. I just took that same formula and duplicated the hell out of it. Mm, that's smart. See, I didn't think, I didn't even think about like hitting up my people in other states. Yes. Man, I'm about to do that. <laughs> Got to, man. You know, because here's the thing, like a lot of us, we're like this, right? We're looking for those diamonds. We're like searching all over the the land for diamonds. And we're literally sitting and standing on an acre of diamonds already. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to go outside to look for it. You're like, literally, like, you could just lift up your feet and there's diamonds in the the crust of your shoes and shit. Like, damn. It's one of my favorite stories from, uh, I think that's, that's, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Rich or Black Choice, I think that's what it was in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Earl Nightingale. He says the uh, acres of diamonds. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we're looking outside of our, our ecosystem. And like I told you guys, you guys have a phenomenal, phenomenal show. If you guys sit back one day, just take 24 hours, all you guys, all four, you guys just sit down around a round table and see all the diamonds you already have cultivated. Dude, you'll never have to go outside your economy ever. Yeah. Because you guys, I've seen you guys have some heavy hitters on your show. So it's that seven degrees of separation, right? Now with the internet, you're really like two degrees of separation. So if you wanted to get in touch with Will Smith, with like you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that would get you in touch with Will Smith. I feel like you are dead on too. <laughs> There's a few people in my head who I'm probably sure that they know somebody that knows somebody that knows Will Smith. It's two. Two separate, two degrees now. It used to be seven because we didn't have internet. Now we have two. Shit, you might only have one. You just gotta gotta start doing some digging in it, digging it out. Yeah, yeah. You might want to reach Will Smith directly yourself. <laughs> well, he got a, an Instagram page, right? He'd be like, "Yo, Will, holla at me, man. I got a show." <laughs> I know he's trying to get walk on this thing, man. We gonna get walk on here soon. But Tiger, man, I do want to hop into another thing because you kind of touched on it. You mentioned your books. And before we had got on, you were talking about 
the way you approach writing books. So can we go into that song? I love to educate people. Absolutely, man. That is one of my passions right there is like publishing because I understand licensing. I understand, um, you know, digital real estate. I love digital real estate. Like when it comes to digital real estate, I want to be a fucking tycoon. You know what I mean? Publishing books in today's format, you can... One of the things that you want to have in any business is a high level of distribution, right? So anytime you could get a high level of distribution, you're almost in a, you're halfway there. Amazon allows that. Barnes and Noble allows that. So I have a book now called Rise of the Smart Notary. That is top five bestseller on the, on the charts or whatever. But I also publish romance novels. So with these romance books and stuff, there's a demographics for that. I find a ghostwriter. I go on Upwork, find a ghostwriter to write. I tell them exactly the type of book that I'm looking to get written. They'll write out the book for like 125 bucks, right? I'll be the whole book, right? And then I'll get a, I actually got my list here. So I'll get a ghostwriter, an editor, someone to design the cover for me. Then I'll have somebody do the format and then publish. Once I have the publishing done, it's being distributed to, throughout the world. So now imagine just getting $2 from each sale from a book that had been written months ago or years ago. That is that passive income. That's that residual income that you're, you're looking to get into. So every time I produce a book under that author's name, there's already a fan base that wants to hear more from that author. Mm. It's trippy as shit. It's like not wanting to listen to only one Beyonce album. No, she's gonna keep, she's giving you a series of albums, right? So that's what happens when you write a book. Like if you guys were to write a book on podcasting, one, it sets you as an authority. It said like, these guys know what they're talking about. Why? Because people's perception is they wrote a book on it. We wrote a book on podcasting. So now everybody's going to want to listen to you. Two, it opens up so many doors. When I mean, when I mean it opens up doors, like you will reach people that you normally would not have reached if you did not write that book. So that's one, that's one of the dope things. What you got there, man? I had to put up our book real quick. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> a book? Exactly, bro. I love it. it. Opens up a whole, like literally, like so with that, you could take that same book and create a course around it. Take that same book and create a whole series. Like I wouldn't stop. Like me on the publishing side, knowing what I know. Is that your first book? Yeah, this is our yeah. first book. You need to roll out five of them joints. There's two more parts that I definitely want to add to it. I know for sure. I don't know if Kelly and David and them got more more parts, but I know for sure. There's two more installments I want to add to that. Sure, because as you guys continue, there's new knowledge that's being accumulated, new information. So you want to roll out, I would roll out five of them, right? And after the fifth one, you do what is called a box set. So you combine all of the books into one box set. You can sell that as a digital format or you can sell it as a publishing format. And depending on what your book is going for right now, you can, you know, you could charge anywhere for like 50 bucks for the published one. 
But the box sets are a gold mine. People don't know about that. Mm. You put five of these books, like, and then you combine them all together. Holy shit, dude. I'm telling you that if they're buying that book now, they're going to buy the box set. Hands down. Mm. Hands down. They want to hear more from you guys. Trust me. And I kind of want to go a little bit more into like your ghostwriters. Is there a way that you kind of like vet your ghostwriters? How do you know, okay, I want this person to move forward with writing my book. And whenever you do have that person, are you going to stick with them throughout the course of that series? So say you might put out one romance novel. Would you stick with out with them through the course of those five series? Yeah. So I would definitely stay with them because they have a certain tone. Mm-hmm. to their delivery, right? Two, you ask them for samples. Say, hey, I want to see some samples of some work that you have done that's similar to what I'm doing now. And then they send you some samples. You kind of look it over and see if you like their writing style. You'll pretty much know within the first paragraph if you like their writing style or not. Um, the second thing is if you stay with them, like you could fire them at any point. Like you don't have to stay with them, but you could let them go at any point. And they understand that. But one of the main things you want to do is for a ghostwriter, you want to have that contract ready for them to sign off and say, hey, look, we own the rights to this shit. Mm. So if I decide to make a movie out of Rise of the Smart Notary, like that's me. You don't get nothing from that. And when you're approaching them initially, you're letting them know that this is for a five book series. Mm-hmm. So they understand that they're going to have to be writing quite a bit. And do you normally get like some pushback whenever you're like, hey, I own this intellectual property? Are they kind of like already understand, you know, this is how the process goes? Yeah, they understand that that's how the process goes. I've never had any kickback. Plus, they wouldn't get paid if they didn't agree to it, right? Yeah. And here's here's the beautiful thing about the day and age. The gatekeepers are gone. Mm-hmm. The gatekeepers are gone. So now it's like, Okay, you're a ghostwriter. You don't want to agree to my terms. Do you understand you're on a platform with like fucking 900 other ghostwriters? Huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could take that approach and be like, there's 900 other people bidding for this job right now. You're lucky I'm entertaining you. So sign the document and let's let's go ahead and create some magic together. Let's make some money together. Mm -hmm. It's not like you jerking them. One thing about ghostwriters is that they're great at writing. They're not great at marketing. Mm-hmm. So they're happy to just get a gig to do what they already love. That's like finding an artist off the street and say, hey, I'll pay you, you know, $50 to paint a portrait for me. But you know, because you have that high income skill of marketing and sales and shit, that I can take that one painting, duplicate the shit out of it, put it on e-commerce and start selling the hell out of these canvases. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that dynamic is huge because they don't sometimes they get blinded by their own passion. You ever seen a person that's in the music industry and they be like, all I want to do is create music, man. I don't want to deal with that whole business bullshit, man. It's going to fuck up my creativity. Uh, Yachty. (laughs) That's all I think about is he love Yachty when he said that. No, you fucking nothing. It's called a music business for a reason. It's a business. The hell you got to let somebody else handle all of your financial affairs, all your marketing affairs, and you're not going to be involved in none of that? How does that not play a part in your career? It's huge to your career. I I have a history in the music industry. That's why, like, I worked at EMI Records. 
But I've seen so many artists do that shit. Mm. And it's like, you're a fucking fool. If you got to let somebody else handle all your financials, all your shit, dude. I mean, from the marketing to the presses. The reason why 50 Cent is where he is today is because he became that spook that sat by the door at Columbia Records. And he went to every department to see what the hell they did. And he was like, oh, okay, what, so what's your job? Oh, you do the marketing. Oh, you're in charge of street team. Oh, you're in charge of billing. Oh, you're in charge. That's why he, he is who he is today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Learn the processes behind. He learned, yeah, he actually learned the business. The business. It's the business. Tyke, so with your books, I know you said you had your own publishing company. So you self-published these books yourself? Yes. Okay. I remember you mentioned, uh, like, you said you were getting them mass distributed. Could you kind of talk to, like, how would somebody go about that with a book? Yeah, so there's this place called Draft to Digital. It will distribute your book to, like, five five to seven major retailers. So you can upload your book once, and it will just blast it out to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all these places, and they will pick up your book, and they will sell your book to all of, you know, their ecosystem, right? Amazon, of course, is winning out of all of them. So I concentrate more on Amazon, but certain books I do have on draftedigital.com so they can distribute some of my one-off books. Hmm. But it comes back to like the drug game. The drug game is about distribution. You could be that petty, you know, dude on the corner that's selling, you know, nickels and dimes or you can have major distribution, right? It's all about high levels of distribution. The ones that really killed the game were the ones that had major distribution. The ones that they make movies out of is because they had major distribution. The Black Mafia family, the Al Capone, the- Chapo. Chapo, all of them had high levels of distribution. That's what anybody, like when this video hits YouTube, that's the high level of distribution. You can reach millions of people with one video versus you just say, hey, come go to my website and watch this video. Mm-hmm. So you, so you want, got an algorithm, like you said, ecosystem working in your favor. Yeah, but you could create your own algorithm too. And you're doing that with your email marketing. That is your own algorithm. So when you segment your... Like these people, I will market this video to this segment on our marketing list. That's your algorithm because you just cut off a bunch of people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're creating our own algorithm now. We just don't know it. Mm. I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. That's smart. And what you talking about being in the music industry and like ghostwriters, I kind of want to talk about like, do you know how that works with artists? Like, how are they able to receive royalties versus, like you're saying, whenever you're writing a book, they're not going to receive none of those royalties? Right. So when I was in New York, I worked with EMI Records. I got to see them push people like D'Angelo, Fuji's, Bahamadia, a couple of artists like that. And I saw how a lot of these artists at the time, they were sleeping on people's couches and stuff, just trying to get their career off the ground. And then they would make them into this world phenomenon, like with through strategic marketing and alliances and partnerships. 
So what will happen is you create this body of work, right? Which is your single, your album. And they will literally take that album and hand it over to the record company. The record company say, all right, thank you. Here is an advance on your money. They're going to give you like $25,000, dollars $100,000 or whatever. So once you get that advance, there's a contract you're going to have to sign. Hey, we own the rights to your shit. The same way I do with the ghostwriters. If you take this money, I own the rights to this book, period. But we will pay you a percentage. That's why when you saw Michael Jackson and you saw Prince fighting for their masters, there is money in ownership of that licensing mm-hmm. because now they can take that same music. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Then push it out on commercials, on the internet. And now they're doing these 360 deals where they own your music in the universe and shit. You know what I mean? It's weird like that. They call it a galactic record deal or something like that. What? Yeah. Like you can't use your music. Strong <laughs> these niggas, man. <laughs> because they plan on doing shit out there. That's crazy. Uh, they yeah. they say in perpetuity, they mean that shit. Mm-hmm. So they have the this galactic record deal. That's what the 360 deal is. So they will pay you a percentage off of all the record sales, but they're getting paid 90% of it. Why? Because they brokered the deal. They created the alliances and the partnerships and everything like that. And all you did was, to them, all you did was write some songs. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't for us, nobody would know you. Mm. So it's the same thing with the publishing. Nobody knows these authors, Mm -hmm. but the pen name I create with my marketing machine behind it, they just, now they get to read your shit, but they don't know you. Mm. It happened with that Matrix, the movie, The Matrix. There was a black girl that wrote that book and they did not do the right paperwork with her. So she came back and was like, hey, you got to run some of that Matrix money. And she got paid us, oh man, I mean like millions. I ain't never heard of this. Millions off of that. Hey, I love it. Yeah, bro. Like all of these big time, you know, authors out there, Stephen King's and all these people, they got ghostwriters, man. They don't write all them damn books. They all have like the movie that it and all that. He probably didn't even write that shit. He just had his name as the. Yeah, because he's the brand. And he had the distribution putting this shit on the team, on the movie. Exactly. Tiger to bust my head. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring value, fellas. I just want to bring value to the table, bro. Hey, that's a lesson from the episode in general. Now, I kind of want to, like, we're in this conversation of music masters, so I kind of want to pivot to what's on your timeline. But before I ask you what's on your timeline, Tiger, I kind of want to bring up why we stood the conversation with Lil Wayne selling his masters for the $100 million. I heard about that. Hold on, bro. It gets worse, my niggas. Okay, it wasn't just his masters. He sold all the young money masters. That means Drake, Nicki Minaj, Tiger, all of the motherfuckers that was on Young Money at that time. He sold a hundred mil. Shit, a hundred mil. He, damn son. 
I'm gonna say this. Fuck the movie like that, son. Son, broke. <laughs> I, I'll say this: Little Wayne did not understand what he had, mm-hmm. and he did not have the resources and the people backing him to see those things through. Whoever was in Little Wayne's ear was pushing him to do that. You have to remember, like his background. Most of the career, most of his time, his musical career was being supported by Baby mm-hmm. and Baby's brother, right? The whole mm-hmm. 20 clip. So he was not involved in that business realm. He did not have those people around him. He had other rappers around him, right? So his field of knowledge was very limited mm-hmm. to what he could possibly do with that. So I can't really fault him on that. I can say like, man, he's going to regret it down the line. Because as his company grows and he like he get the right people around him, but he just came from a really nasty divorce with the whole baby cash money and young money. He damn near lost his mind. You see how he looks now, right? Yeah, man. And- like, like it fucked with him. Like emotionally, he was like he's being hospitalized. It was fucking with him, right? And you have to look at the music industry this way. When when things don't go right with you and a record label, they pull all their resources and they start blackballing you. They say, don't deal with him. If you deal with him, our deal together is over, mm-hmm. right? So if Baby and the rest of them are the ones that brokered all of those deals like that, they start pulling their resources away from Lil Wayne. So now he finds himself on no man's land, a deserted island. And now he only has these resources and who knows what his expenses are. To me, it sounded like an act of desperation. Yeah. He also is facing some jail time, too, guys. Damn. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, the music game is vicious. That's what I've been learning recently, man. It's too vicious. There's too many zeros attached to it. Like Jay-Z said, man, he's like, the worst drug known to man is fame. They will sell their firstborn for some fame. Damn. You know what I mean? So... When you see someone, all I want to do is be famous. I just want, you know, I want to, man, you could rape that person. You could be like, well, I'm going to make you famous. But all of this, this you're publishing, what's publishing? Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> your royalties, what's that? Yeah, don't worry about that either. They've taken all of it. They take it all. <laughs> and then what, if you cross them or like, for whatever reason, the deal goes sour, it goes south, they're going to take all of those resources with them and then pour it into the next artist. So, That's crazy. Yeah, it's a vicious game, man. But to me, it looked like he didn't know what he had and he didn't have the right people around him. Come on, Wayne. I wouldn't be surprised if that shit ended up back in baby's hands. It might. That, that, that honey mill figure just gets me, bro. It's like, damn, like, I know one Lil Wayne album made way more than a hundred million dollars. So it's like just to see that it's so jarring, bro. Like, dang, bro, it's the fact that it's not just his music. Yeah. Once I learned that it was not just his music, and whenever I say Drake catalog, <laughs> yeah, I knew you was hurt with it. You heard about Drake catalog. Listen, it's Drake's catalog from his first album up until the double disc Scorpio album. He was on they shit all the way up until then. Mm. 
And it's just like, damn. And same thing with Nicki Minaj, that Pink Friday album, all the way up until this last album she dropped, that Queen, whatever the shit is called, all of that is gone. So that means he won that lawsuit with Cash Money. Yeah, he, so he won the lawsuit. What it was about. Yep. He won the lawsuit just to go do some dumb shit. That's probably why Baby ain't want him to have it. Probably like, I know you go fumble the fucking bag. Yeah. I bet you that 100 mil will be gone in no time. Especially if this court case, if this court case don't go right. Hmm. Yeah, man. They keep you dumb for a reason, man. And, you know, in that industry, ignorance will hurt you. <sighs> you know, they don't want you to sit in on those meetings. Like when you see Damon Dash breaking in through that Def Jam meeting and he's yelling and shouting at all those guys at Def Jam, they don't want you to sit in on those meetings. They want you to just be out there making music, guest appearances and stuff like that. And they're behind the scenes and closed doors figuring out what they're going to do with your career. And you're like, eh, that person's just not as hot as they used to. Let's start shelving them. And then you shelf and then... Next thing you know, that person's out of the business, man. They don't even, that person don't even exist anymore. And you'd be like, man, that person had like five number one hits. What happened to him? What he had Fetty Wap, man. That's all I keep thinking about. I keep thinking about Fetty Wap, man. I thought about his ass too. I ain't gonna lie. (laughs) That's that's who I thought about too. I was like, damn, man, Big Fetty, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Tiger, is there anything that you wanted to discuss on your timeline? Um, You know, just, just, Everybody just keep in contact with the kid, man. You know, like just hit at on Instagram at tiger.toledo. And I'm always switching it up. You know, I like to keep it fresh, but just rock with me. If y'all feeling this show, rock with the kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, y'all go follow my boy, man. Tap yeah. in, tap into his novels and everything. What's your pseudonym? What's your pen name? SK Holiday. Mm. SK Holiday. I like that. Yeah, SK Holiday. <laughs> I like some Keith Sweat type shit. <laughs> Yo, and then here's the funny thing. SK Holiday is a female shit. Mm. Because in romance, in romance novels, right, women like to read other perceptions. It's, it's all psychological. They like to read romance novels written by other women. Mm. So... I'm like, all right, well, let me give it a, a very vague name. But if you read the details about the person, it's a female, right, from Brooklyn. Now, I, it's the same shit. It's me. I just changed the word from he to she. So this person still from Brooklyn, now lives in Chicago, and does the same shit that I do. I like pizza, play with the dog. Same motherfucker. But it's just a female. <laughs> Probably a European female, all I know. Of. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's whatever the fuck they want, dude. I listen to the customers, man. I listen. What do you want? I that That's the easiest fucking question you can ask somebody. Hey, I love it. What the fuck do you want? You want that? Hold up. Here, motherfucker. Now pay me. <laughs> now pay me. Now shit. Yeah. I just gave you what you wanted. That's hilarious, bro. <laughs> oh, man. That's it. People will pay you to make their life easier. It ain't hard, bro. The only We get in our own way and be like, well, I want them to like it for this. I want them to like it for that. Nigga, you ain't Nike. Even, hmm. Nike, even Nike, back then, Nike was real stern on, like, 
we're going to give them what we want to give them. But now Nike was like, nigga, that shit was foolish. That was some old shit. We need to give them what the fuck they want. Let's create a website for them to design their own damn shoe. <laughs> and then they're going to pay premium dollar. And we're going to deliver that shit and make more money than we've ever made before. Giving people what they want, they're going to give you their money. That's it. Nike ID. Because I remember I was I was sure trying to get me some cliques off that motherfucker. You know what I mean? High school. That shit was like two hundred fucking fifty dollars. I said, "Shit, oh, no, not yeah. not for no shit. I'm about to go play sports in hell." No, that's why I ain't never got them. <laughs> was it custom? It's unique to your flavor. It's unique to your swag. So they're gonna be like, "All right, look, since you want some unique shit, you gonna pay some unique ass money." <laughs> <laughs> And I, I love that too. I love so run that, that paper, baby, bro. Like with your podcast, I would constantly ask people for who would you like to see on the show, right? What topics would you like us to cover? What do you want? What the fuck do you want? Now, if it doesn't fit the brand, you'd be like, kick rocks, get the fuck out of here. Now, but fits your brand and it fits what you what you're already doing. Be like, all right, we'll explore that. That's a good idea. Now the audience, the world is telling you what mm-hmm. they would like, and they will pay attention mm. to you more because you're giving them what they want. Mm. I like those guys over there at BWR. Let me see if I could patronize them and send them some money, just to send them money. Hell yeah, you can send us some money. <laughs> give them a the, the check. We got to make offers here, man. Get, tell them how they can send you some money, man. Look, you can send us some money via Stripe or PayPal. I'll give y'all the link down low. Yes, y'all could donate on Anchor. Shit, we yeah, y'all can donate yeah, through yeah, Anchor. Don't, yeah, come on now, y'all. Hey, y'all been listening. I've been seeing them listens go up. Yeah, yeah. yeah y'all can donate. <laughs> How many people are you guys reaching? Shit, like ten thousand per episode right now. Yeah, after the first thirty days, ten k episode. Make more offers. Make more offers. Make more offers. That's got to be part of our motto. Have to. You do you understand, like, if you don't ask, and it goes back to the Bible, ask and ye shall receive. If you guys don't ask and say, hey, look, if you guys like what we're doing on this show, send a donation or just patronize us and send it through our PayPal. The link is down below. It's that smooth. It's that cool with it, right? If you don't, don't worry. You're still cool with us. Keep rocking with us. But you'll be surprised how many people be like, thank you for giving me an outlet for me to patronize your business. I know I'm like that, but if you don't tell me, I have no urgency to do it. Mm. So by you putting it out there and say, hey, help support this channel. We're looking to build up the studio. You know how many people would just donate just for that? Just to see the, the cultivation of the studio and see how bigger the studio is. Hey, this is because of you that we're able to get this space. It's because of you that we're able to get this equipment and all of the, what? You kidding me? Mm. 10,000, if you got fucking 10% of that, a 1,000 people that give you $50. Shit. I ain't think about it like that. That's what, fucking $50,000? Bro, you don't have to look outside for that acres of diamonds, baby. Mm. We stand on the top this motherfucker. <laughs> you standing on it, baby. Damn. Woo! Mm. Let's let's go, man. Make those offers. Every show should have that shit. You should be like, right. hey, you like what we're doing? Hey, you can patronize our business. 
help us build a bigger studio, grant and get some better, bigger hole, bigger, better hosts and all that shit. Just go to the PayPal downstairs, you know, in the description below. Yes, indeed. Hey, man, we're going to have to, hey, we're going to tell hey, them y'all, y'all heard it here first. Hey. Y'all about to know. Y'all about to see this more often. <laughs> y'all know what's about to go down. <laughs> if y'all rocking with us, hit that link in the bio. You still listening. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Tiger, my brother. This has been a great episode, bro. We appreciate you Hell so yeah. much for coming in, tapping in with the people, giving a game. Could you please tell them again where they can find you, if they want to purchase your books, where they can get them, how they can work with you. Just, yeah, just plug your stuff. Put your bro. courses with hey, your notary hey, hey. stuff, all of that. Let them know. Tiger Toledo. Just go to Google and type in Tiger Toledo. Mm. Just go to Google, type in Tiger Toledo, and everything I got up there for sale, buy that shit. That's it. Mm. <laughs> Drop the mic and walk off. <laughs> but once again, man, like David said, we appreciate you, my brother. It was great having you, man. Thank you for kicking with us the day after Christmas and just really taking some time. And before we get up out of here, we're going to get into some show notes. Once again, thank you to all our listeners who come in week in, week out, kicking in with your boys. Thank you for listening. Once again, like he said, y'all, if what y'all like to hear, let us know what y'all like to hear. What y'all don't like to hear, let us know. We are listening and we're going to make those changes for you. Like he said, as long as it's in the brand, we're going to make those changes and make sure we can see it happen because we want to keep on growing this show. We want to keep on growing in our audience, y'all, our family. So we fucking with y'all. Y'all let us know what's going on. Uh, Thanks. Y'all buy our book. Buy the book. Buy the book. Manage your money like the 1%. And where's the book at? Together financially. Where can they get the book on at? On Amazon. It's also on Podia. Mm. You can buy the book that off of Target. You can buy it off of Target. You can buy it off of Walmart.com. You can buy it. Yeah. Nice. Well, we're official like a ref with a whistle. Y'all better stop playing and get that book. I got one thing. Donation. <laughs> Donation. That's right, man. That's that right. Every show should be promoting that goddamn book, man. Every show. Every yeah. promoting the book, asking for a donate. Come on, man. Let's get this money. Hey, you guys let me know when your numbers rise. Let's go. <laughs> I promise you the numbers is going up. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're about to touch the sky. We're about to touch the sky. Yeah, you got to go public in a second. I love it. All right, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Peace, love, and happiness and cash flow to all you guys, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Appreciate it, my brother. Look, we're going to wrap this thing up, BWR style. On that note, this is BWR signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows 
from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.